This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Newly elected Prime Minister Shinzo Abe wants to take Japan's economy in a daring new direction, to pull it out of two decades of stagnation and deflation. It turns out that his policies closely resemble past policies, but he wants to put far more firepower behind them this time. He aims to loosen already very loose monetary policies considerably and raise government spending sharply to boost demand. Some analysts say it's just the medicine Japan needs and on the spending side, at least, the opposite of what Europe and the U.S. are doing. But Wharton finance professor Franklin Allen says the plan carries serious risks and could even lead to a big meltdown. And while the new policies may help in the short run, they will not help with the serious structural problems that have sapped Japan's competitiveness. We're speaking today with Wharton finance professor Franklin Allen about Japan's recent sharp change in direction for economic policy. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Um, with the recent election of Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, uh, there's been a fairly dramatic change in economic policies, uh, which he telegraphed ahead of time. But it looks like it's a reaction to a long-term trend in Japan, which is, which is pretty well known. 20 years of economic stagnation, deflation, um, and lately a loss of competitiveness also. Um, fiscal stimulus and loose monetary policies have been tried many times in Japan over the years, but um, a lot of critics say they were half measures and that in the case of monetary policy that that stimulus was withdrawn too soon before it was actually able to, to jumpstart the economy. Uh, this time things look different. It looks like a real shakeup, um, and I'm wondering what, if you see this as a, as a huge change in direction, and what you think is going to happen as a result. It raises the very interesting question, if something doesn't work very well, what should you do? Should you try something else or should you try harder? And I think up until now, the conclusion has been, we should try something else. And now Prime Minister Abe has brought back the issue of, well, let's try harder at what we did. And, and try again. And I think part of that is driven by what the Japanese see going on in the US and in Europe, where we have central banks essentially going out and either in, in the case of the US, US with QE infinity, mm. buying large amounts of bonds on a regular basis, printing money to do it. Mm -hmm. And in the Europe, in, in the ECB, we see with the outright monetary transaction program the potential for the ECB to also buy up very large amounts of government bonds. Now, the interesting thing is that in the UK, there's now begun a discussion since they've also had quantitative easing in, in fairly large proportions, and Bank of England now holds a great deal of government debt on its balance sheet about what's the next step. And fairly serious people there, such as uh, Lord Adair Turner, who is the head of the Financial Services Authority, have suggested that they go one step further. So if, if you go out and print money to buy bonds, why not take it another step and go out and print money and give it to people and 
monetize the debt. Now, in Japan, they haven't got that far yet, but um, Prime Minister Abe wants to go out and start having the Bank of Japan have a much higher inflation target, 1%, as 2% rather than the current 1%. And he also wants to have fiscal stimulus, and he also wants to have more bond buying, more purchase of assets by the Bank of Japan. Now, the interesting thing is, is what will be the effects of these? If you do it in small amounts, it seems as though it doesn't have that much effect. It, you, Chairman Bernanke has, has uh, argued that uh, it's had very positive effects, in ter- not, not huge positive effects, but positive effects on things like employment and, and the out- output of the economy and so on. You know, one of the other views, which interestingly, uh, Governor Shirakawa put at the IMF meetings uh, back at the end of last year, was that this quantitative easing has an effect, but it has a big effect on emerging economies. And if we look at what's happened in Brazil, there has been a huge run up in asset prices. The currency has strengthened a great deal, and that put their manufacturing sector under tremendous strain, and growth in Brazil has now stopped. So there are these effects within the economy, and there are also effects globally. Now, quite what effect will happen with Japan, we will see. I think we've already seen a a very large change in the exchange rate, much larger than we've seen for some time in Japan. And I presume that that's not in response to actually the, the moves the Bank of Japan has already made, because those have been relatively small. They, they've promised to try to get inflation up to, to 2% as soon as possible, whatever that means. The bond buying program that they announced is going to be starting in 2014, so it's some time away. And by and large, the, the measures that, that actually were announced were not that big. But I think what the markets are probably expecting is a new claim coming in that will do radically different things in terms of all these these measures. Now, the real problem is that although in the press and so on, people talk about these things as though it's turning a dial, it's not really like that. And we're, we're in a lot of uncharted waters, I would say. We don't know what happens if you go out and have these long-run bond-buying programs. It seems as though they haven't been too successful in Japan in the past. Maybe they didn't try it enough. But there is, as you mentioned in your question, as you mentioned in your introduction initially, there is a long-run run of loss of competitive among many Japanese companies. If you look at companies like Sharp and Panasonic, it's not at all clear these companies, which 10 to 20 years ago dominated their industries, it's not clear that they're going to be able to survive. And I think a part of this is these monetary measures have pernicious long-term effects. If we try them even harder, we may have inflationary effects. And I think we don't really know what will happen. And, and uh, we'll see what, 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 what happens. As I say, in the UK, they're talking about printing money and handing it out to people. In, uh, in Japan, it'll be interesting to see how soon, if ever, they get to that point. But they're really out ahead of us, 
everybody has been saying we don't want to be Japan, but it looks as though most countries are following on very much in the footsteps of Japan with slow growth and um, just the economy stagnating. We're now five years into the crisis at least, and we're still not doing very well. We're not in the US, we're, we're sputtering along, but that's with huge monetary stimulus and significant fiscal. In the Eurozone, they have significant monetary stimulus, not fiscal stimulus, but they're of course shrinking. You said that uh, the US and Europe seem to be following Japan's old policies. What, what are those policies that um, have created similar conditions in Europe and the US that Japan has been seeing over the last 20 years? Well, they had tremendous fiscal stimuluses for much of the time. Uh, they had public works, and they've had very low interest rates for many years now. None of these have solved the problem. They're still growing at very slow rates. And they were very hard hit by what happened after the default of Lehman. So their GDP fell around 10% within a year, basically, around a year. And this was a tremendous blow, but this wasn't really too much to do with their financial system because their banks weren't in trouble. And by and large, um, it wasn't a financial crisis there, but they were very ba badly hit by the drop in, in world trade. But is it is it the case that they actually call it, they don't say the Great Recession in Japan, they say the Lehman Recession? I, I believe that's true. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, the other thing is that um, that what Japan is doing now with you know monetary stimulus and trying to hit a 2% inflation target because they've had deflation for so long. Um, and of course, Inflation is a two-edged sword. A little bit might be a good thing, but then how do you keep it at a little bit and not go beyond that? And, and, but then they're also doing fiscal stimulus, which seems different than what certainly Europe is doing, which is the opposite of fiscal stimulus. They're imposing austerity in most cases, and, um, and now they're doing some quantitative easing. So they're, they're doing something very different than Japan's new policy. Uh, uh, part of it's the same, but, but a key part is very different. The U.S. did some fiscal stimulus, but that's been over for a long time, and now we're in austerity mode with state and federal government spending uh, down down quite a bit over the last few years. So um, so, so Japan, in, in a way, is doing something different than either the U.S. or Europe, and and different than what it's done in the past to some degree, so, uh, well, or, or it, it, in, 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 in volume, at least. So at the moment, it's not doing anything that radically different to what it's done before. But I think when the new Bank of Japan team gets in, that that may change drastically, and, and that's why the exchange rates changed. The interesting question is what the, what the risks are. Why didn't they do it before? Well, there are a lot of risks involved. As you suggested, you can't guarantee that inflation's only going to be 2%. And it could well be that we suddenly get a wave of inflation because, for example, if uh, households start to worry about what's going to happen to interest rates, they may suddenly move money out. The exchange rate may weaken even more than it has done. 
interest rates on government bonds in Japan are incredibly low, much, much lower than in the US or, or Europe, except for Switzerland. And so uh, there's huge scope for a big rise in interest rates, which given the level of their debt would also be very risky. And so there are very much upside risks in what they're doing. And that's why the Bank of Japan has, in my view, quite prudently avoided these risks previously. Maybe now Japan, with the problems with China and, and the uh, the drop in GDP at the end of last year has to try other things, but there are risks involved, and the rest of the world will look hard if they have a, a big meltdown of some kind, which could happen. Uh, so when we last spoke in November, uh, you made a, a couple of predictions that have turned out to be correct. Uh, you more or less predicted that uh, Abe would be the new prime minister. Uh, you predicted that, um, I believe, because he's much more of a nationalist um, and there's problems between Japan and China over the, this island dispute, or series of islands, that uh, relations would deteriorate, which they have. And you also said that there's a possibility that the yen might begin to deteriorate quite a bit and, and quite quickly, which has actually happened. I mean, I think it's been um, since October, it's, it's uh, depreciated about 10 or 12 percent. So you've got a great track record there. So um, as difficult as it is to look ahead, what, what, what do you think is most likely for Japan over the next six months to a year? It's a very difficult one to predict. The, the, the first difficulty is over the islands dispute. So uh, a few days ago, they stepped back. But then the tensions keep coming back. So. Uh, we'll see how that plays back, plays out, but that's clearly a, a big factor in in uh, what will happen in the Jap Japanese economy because their their exports to China and their businesses in China have not been doing well, uh, and it seems that the the islands dispute is part of that. The usual view is that Japanese companies will do much better with a weaker yen and their various calculations as to how much the profits of Toyota and Honda and the other Japanese companies improve for each uh, change of a yen against the dollar. And certainly there are those short-run effects, so company profits are likely to go up and the stock market's reacted. But in the long run, it doesn't seem that this solves their problems, because if you look back over the last few years, the exchange rate has varied a great deal, and it has never really got them back on track. And I think this is the thing that they need to, to worry about. They may do better over the next few months. Exchange rates do help in the short run, but they have a real long-term competitiveness problem, and that's what they need to start thinking about how to address. In particular, they have problems now competing with Korean firms. So if you think about Samsung and LG, these companies are doing much, much better than, than Sharp and Panasonic or, or, or even Sony. And so it's not just electronics now. It's also in the auto industry. Hyundai has been doing very well. Um, Japanese car companies are still strong, but they're not in the dominant position that they were um, maybe a decade ago. So I think this is Japan's long-term problem. These policies have not worked, and the real, the real difficulty is that they are not the strong 
competitive economy that they used to be. And I think they will try these policies. I don't think that they will be successful in the medium to long run, although they may have positive effects in the long run. There are these big upside risks we talked about a few minutes ago, but there's also this long-run competitive problem, and they need to start thinking, how do we solve that problem? So if they saw these policies as a short-term fix that buys them time to make structural changes, which I think you're, you're talking about, what are those structural changes? What are the changes that would help them in the long run and the medium run? I think they need more competition. That's what, what they lack. It, what, what the Japanese were so very good at 20 to 30 years ago was just competing globally. Now, the domestic firms never quite got that. And I, I think the problem is that the general lack of competitiveness has spread to more sectors in the Japanese economy. And they, they need to reverse that by having more competition and it'll be interesting to see what the Japanese government's reaction is to a major bankruptcy in, in the electronics industry, whether they will allow that or whether they will force some of the more healthy firms to take over the weaker firms and preserve employment that way. And I, I think they need to think hard about how to introduce competition and make Japanese companies more competitive. Is that a matter of regulatory change internally, becoming more competitive? What, what does that look like to become more competitive for Japan? So many people believe that allowing hostile takeovers would be one way of doing that. My own view is I'd be very surprised if they did that. But making foreign entry easier, making um, foreigners able to more easily compete is one way to do that. But it's a very difficult problem, which I think every country is currently dealing with, which is how do you, how do you get growth going and what does that? And the problems in the financial system have made it very difficult for most countries to grow. There are exceptions. As I say, Korea over the last few years has done pretty well, but that that's that's the exception. There aren't many countries currently introducing policies which seem to be leading to competitiveness, and uh, and companies growing. Now, in the the currency issue, is is one of the big issues there because the whole issue of currency wars is is one which countries may try to adopt. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.